Welcome back to the International Sisters Helpline with me, Jessie from the UK. I'm Lena from Latvia. I'm Jennifer from Germany. And I'm Pauline from France. We are four European sisters on a mission to open up conversations on controversial and taboo topics. Our aim is to make women feel seen and valuable. Each episode we have guests that will help us shine some light on topics not spoken about enough. Welcome back to another episode. Today we are joined by Kalina, who is a researcher at the European Trade Union Institute. And she's done plenty of research on collective labour rights, gender and race discrimination and environmental regulation. So welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much for the invite. I'm really happy to be here. So you've done plenty of research about um, and papers about the gender pay gap and hurdles that women have to face in the workplace. But you've also spoke about how climate change has some impact on widening this gap for women. Could you elaborate more on um, this? As this isn't something mm-hmm. I considered and I'm sure a lot of other women didn't. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that question. That's a uh, very interesting and I think increasingly increasingly important question. Um, and perhaps the first thing to say about that is that climate change, but also climate change uh, policy, so things like net zero strategies, will disproportionately affect um, a number of groups and communities that are vulnerable or underrepresented. So women are some of them, but also people with disabilities, um, some ethnic minorities, or generally those who are least well off. Um, so that's the sort of first thing to bear in mind. But um, but for women, climate change and climate change policy um, could have sort of just disproportionate negative effects for a number of different reasons. And so it's not just about widening. Uh, it's not really about widening gender pay gap as, as such, but many of the different uh, disadvantages that women experience. And so. Um, maybe the first thing to to sort of start with is the effects, um, the physical effects of climate change, uh, such as natural disasters or droughts or floods and so on. And um, on a worldwide, uh, women are likely to be more affected um, by uh, those phenomena because um, they generally rely for their livelihoods on more natural resources. Um, So generally traditional roles in some communities is that women look for food and uh, resources uh, to support their families, but also are engaged in occupations such as in agriculture, which are of course very affected uh, by the climate. Um, and now this may be, this is more relevant for countries in the global south than it is in Europe, but of course on the world, uh, worldwide is very, very important. And so where when resources are scarce, this might also mean that, um, for example, girls have to leave school to assist their mothers, Um, to secure food for the family with obviously longer term repercussions for their education and their careers and so on. Now, another thing is that women are already generally less well represented in decision making. Um, And so this might mean that their needs are not taken into account in responses, not just to things like disasters, but also in the design of climate change uh, policies. Another thing is uh, increased pressure on healthcare services as a result of a changing climate. I mean, of course, the COVID pandemic is not directly related to the climate, but with climate change, we are likely to see an increase in uh, epidemics, pandemics, um, and other health issues. And of course, the majority of workers working in care services are also women. And so this is how they might be um, affected in the labor market. 
And then the third thing that we need to consider are um, the effects of um, the, the changes in the labor markets due to climate change policy. Now we know that industries that are being phased out, so coal, uh, for example, fossil fuel industry, other fossil fuel industries, carbon intensive industries, they are male dominated, but um, it's also the case that the jobs that are being created in the new sectors, so for example, renewables or um, battery production and so on, uh, are also male dominated as well. And so there's a lot of investment and focus on these jobs at the moment. And so without specific measures to attract women to new green jobs um, and to ensure that they have genuine opportunities to reskill and to upskill from their previous jobs, they might have reduced access to these opportunities and again, leading to issues related to employment uh, and to pay and so on. So there's a lot of ways in which um, women might be disproportionately affected that threaten uh, gender equality uh, in many dimensions. That's really interesting. That's like you've mentioned a lot of things that I hadn't really properly considered um, as a woman. Also, I thought we could talk about how in one of your papers, you also mentioned how the COVID-19 pandemic had disproportionately affected women and was likely to have had adverse, maybe long-term effects on gender equality in the workplace. Could we elaborate on that a bit? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I guess I just touched on some aspects of that just now. But uh, again, one of the you know more obvious uh, entry points to that question is the fact that women constitute the majority of many frontline professions. So um, nurses, personal carers, but also cleaners and cashiers. And so actually there were more, more women were more likely to be exposed uh, to the virus in the beginning of the pandemic, um, but also a bit later on. And um, the evidence shows that there were also these frontline professions were uh, also ex much more exposed to harassment and violence at work during those first uh, very tense times. And another dimension of the issue here is, of course, the considerable increase in domestic violence, which, of course, does not only affect women, but see, it predominantly affects women. Um, and so this was a serious issue during the pandemic. Um, and it's sometimes even referred to as the shadow pandemic uh, as well. So that's uh, another very serious issue that they will have repercussions in the long run. And now another issue that I'm, I'm sure may be familiar to many listeners is the fact that during the lockdown, the responsibilities for care within the households uh, increased massively. So unpaid care for children, for adults, uh, and also for domestic tasks, unpaid care responsibilities in the home. And so they also absorbed the greater increase um, of such responsibilities. Um, and this has sort of led to a number of um, issues that are likely to have long-term repercussions on their incomes and careers. So um, women were more likely to take leave, uh, paid or unpaid leave. They were more likely to reduce their working hours, or they were likely to leave the market, uh, the labor market altogether, uh, in order to take care of uh, children or adults. And so um, this is again something that we see will probably have implications for the gender, the gender pay gap as well, because we've seen that there's been a slight increase in gender pay gaps in some countries. And we really need to think about how to address that. This question is a sort of very complex issues with many, many factors. But I think the bottom line is that uh, both climate change and the pandemic have hit those people that already suffer disadvantages in different in different ways and are kind of deepening those disadvantages. And therefore, we need to make an extra effort to um, to do something about it now.
Yeah, definitely. I also wanted to speak about, obviously, we're talking about gender pay gap and that's, mm. you know, something that a lot of people have um, experienced or witnessed. Um, I was looking at one of your graphs and it highlighted the difference between average gross hourly earnings of male and female employees for 2018, I think it was. And mm -hmm. it was between different countries in Europe and it showed Estonia to have the widest gap between male and female workers at 21.8%, but Luxembourg to have the lowest at only one4 And I just wondered why you think that is like such a difference from country to country when there is. Um, and is that to do with the country itself? Is it to do with the work mm -hmm. culture? And what countries that do have like some of the biggest gaps can learn from the countries that have smaller mm -hmm. ones? No, that's uh, yeah, indeed, it's completely striking that there is such a great variation between countries uh, when it comes to the gender pay gap, not least because for now many decades within the EU, there's been um, very uh, sort of strong legislation on equal pay. And of course, not all of those countries um, have been in the EU for as long as others, but many of the ones that have been in the EU for a long time actually have quite a wide gender pay gap. So I think that's a really important question. Um, and, and when we sort of think about it, what we have to bear in mind is that there are many different factors underpinning the gender pay gap. So one is the sectoral gender segregation. So the fact that some lower paid sectors such as care or education um, tend to be composed predominantly of women. And so this is a big contributor to the, gen to the gender pay gap. Um, another is the vertical uh, segregation of the labor market. So women being, or the glass ceiling, we can call it. So women being stuck in lower paying jobs uh, in a workplace. Um, another issue is again, the distribution of unpaid care work, um, because of course, when women take on more work, they often work only part-time, which means that they're often paid uh, less per hour or they have career breaks um, and so on. Um, or even workplace stereotypes. And as you mentioned, sort of cultural attitudes towards uh, jobs that are appropriate for women or pressures for women to work less uh, and take care um, and take care of children or even gender stereotypes and pay discrimination at the workplace. So it's a kind of very big composite issue. And um, so and any of these factors might differ quite significantly between different member states. So if we look at Estonia, for example, Estonia has quite a segregated labor market, and which, which contributes to a great extent to its big gender pay gap because it means that women are in professions that generally get paid less or in lower paying occupations in the same workplace. Um, whereas other countries might not, you know, they might have much more homogenous labor market or, for example, Luxem let's take Luxembourg, for example, it's a small country um, where the sort of available industries might be different. Uh, with probably a high percentage of high-skilled jobs, when often the gender pay gaps are smaller. Another factor is that so let's 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 sort of look at Belgium, um, which also has a small gender pay gap. Um, it's a country which has very strong trade unions, uh, which has very wide coverage of collective bargaining, and so that means that salaries are agreed collectively and not on on, on an individual basis, which means there is less space for pay discrimination, for example and some of the other factors that lead to the gender pay gap. And so there are many, many reasons um, for these differences. And I think you rightly pointed to the fact that it's really important that we, we study them, we understand them, and that countries with larger pay gaps can learn 
something useful uh, from countries with smaller pay gaps. So as you all know, all of us are from different countries. I'm from Britain, Lena's from Latvia, Jennifer's from Germany, and Pauline's from France. And we were sort of discussing um, like gender pay gaps from our home countries and what we picked up on. And Lena actually was talking to me about in Latvia, how there's certain um, roles in the workplace that women are just assume they have to do, but on top of their like paid work, if that makes sense, if you wanted to talk about that, Lena. Yeah, so I worked in several places back in Latvia. Uh, one of them was an online casino, and uh, women, women were expected to come to work earlier to do our makeup, our hair, and we weren't paid for that extra time, obviously. We were also expected to wear heels, and if you didn't want heels, you had to bring a paper from the doctor that like there's something wrong with your feet and you can't wear heels also you were expected to have professional uh, uh, manicure done nails and it had to be in dark colors so you couldn't do light nude nails and all of those like extra little things they weren't paid extra for and for example to get your nails done or your hair or makeup or whatever it also costs money but no one was giving us that money and their argument was that well you're women you're supposed to do that anyways no matter where you work and which we know like we we're not always every single day going like full full on full face makeup hair nails etc yeah so that was one thing and another thing was uh i worked in a restaurant as a cook often women were expected to clean to wash the dishes and Things like that, we weren't paid extra. Also, some like paper jobs, counting inventory, for example. And men were mainly just doing what their contract says they have to do. So they were mainly just cooking. But when it's time came for women to carry something heavy, like a heavy box, and we would ask men to help us, they would be like, well, aren't you a feminist? Aren't you get paid exactly like we? So you have to carry it yourself. So that's kind of how it was for me. No, well, thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that. I mean, it's really, it's really shocking, isn't it? These sort of attitudes at the workplace and what women have to put up with. I think it's interesting, actually, that it has one of the highest, maybe the highest at the moment, gender pay gap, uh, according to most recent data. So you can see, I mean, of course, what you mentioned now is not the only reason for this, but I think it strongly contributes, not just to gender pay gap, but I think in general, the the fact that women have to have to work really really hard often much harder than men to not just to work but to to progress through their career yeah i think that often we don't appreciate just how much more effort is taken a woman to get to where she is than a man because of all of the hurdles that are in the way on my episode i'll have a guest that writes a lot of papers about um sexism and healthcare in terms mm -hmm. of how female doctors are expected to do a lot more than male doctors so female doctors are expected to be a lot more nurturing naturally and spend more time with patients and those kind of things and obviously they are also not paid more for that yeah i think i think i think in general women are expected to maybe not explicitly but implicitly to kind of or, or they have the feeling that they need to prove themselves at the workplace uh, and this is kind of the the effect of structural discrimination you know workplaces are designed to kind of value more traditional and or socially constructed sort of attributes of men um, they do not they completely ignore the fact that many women perform all of this work on top of their paid work, so the double workload of paid and unpaid care work, and this is this is not not just not just invisible. It's also 
even when it's understood that, yeah, this is the case, but it's not appreciated, it's not accommodated. And I think all of these leads to structures that systematically uh, disadvantage women. And I think that's very important for us to bear in mind that, that we're not alone in this. Most women will be affected by this kind of disadvantage. Maybe we're not always aware of it. Maybe others are not always aware of it. Um, but I think that's um, absolutely key to understand and to for ourselves, but also for uh, how we want to change workplaces as well. I think we've just kind of touched on it, like what Lena said and what we spoke about. But you've also yourself said that there's like one of the factors that contributes to these pay differences is like the historical cultural undervaluation of work that predominantly women do but it's undervalued but it's also just expected so why do you think this is the case still that women's work is considered less than men's but it's expected so much and do you think there's any correlation between the countries with the smallest pay gaps and how much they value women or see them as equal maybe I'll go back to the the historical background of that. So it is the case that around the time of the um, Industrial Revolution, societal perceptions changed and what sort of then became the public workplace, so for example, the factory or the docks and and so on, um, that became associated with masculinity and professionalism, whereas the Um, private space of the home became associated with femininity and... Uh, sort of non-productive work, which was then under, sort of deemed to be subordinates or lesser type of work or not even real that work. That kind of became very strongly, this sort of, this is called the kind of public-private divide in gender relations um, and gender theory. So, um, sorry, feminist theory. Um, so some of this has implications until today, not only for unpaid domestic work, which is, generally speaking in society, not necessarily considered to be of equal value as paid work, Um, but also when paid work performed in the home. So, for example, domestic work, um, domestic workers uh, are, by the way, um, predominantly women. And so they tend to be some of the least, uh, the lowest paid and precarious workers that we find in the labor market. But um, even outside the home, workers who perform work that has traditionally been performed by women for free in the home, um, tends to be seriously underpaid um, and de- deemed to be lower skilled, often exactly because it is sort of expected that women have these skills already. You know, it's it's sort of thought in some ways that it's natural or that, you know, they just have them. But actually, they are learned skills. They are le- skills that we learn from a very young age in an informal way, of course, not through formal education in school, but often within the family. And so this kind of acquisition of skills has itself become invisible. And so it's often, they are often overlooked when it comes to job evaluation. So when deciding, you know, what pay will we give to what level of skill? Um, and it's become normalized that um, that women should just have them. Uh, but but really, I think this is, this is sort of at the, at, at the core of the problem um, as well, you know, in unpaid as well as paid work, is that these skills um, are not seen, they're not understood as uh, being a result of learning, a result of training, even if it's informal. So I think that's one thing that we need to start changing as well. Yeah, I agree 100%. I currently work in a food hall um, in Sheffield where I live, and our little 
um vendor that we work for is actually predominantly all girls um like everyone that works there is girls and then our manager is a woman but then the actual person that created it is a man and I always think that's interesting that it's his business but he has also chosen to hire all girls and when I've spoke to him about it before he said that um in his experience like he's had boys that come and work but they've been less reliable girls work more um but sometimes I think is that just because we're so programmed that we have to do more just to be seen as like a good worker um like way more than just the minimum I guess just to finish it off I was just going to ask if you had any advice or any like last words for women maybe feeling like they're being treated unfairly Mm. um in their workplace and they're not being listened to or appreciated um wherever they are around the world yeah well thank you for the opportunity to say this but I think I would say to women to trust their judgment in those situations because I think many people doubt themselves. They think, no, 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 it's not It's not the employer, it's me, I'm not doing something right or it's not because I'm a woman and so on. So trust your judgment on this and speak to someone about it. And of course, it's really daunting to confront the employer and I understand why people might not do it. So speak to your trade union and if, you, if you're not a member of a trade union, um, join a trade union because it's it's their job to help out with questions like this confidentially. If your workplace doesn't have a trade union, there might be a different kind of workers representative, or you might be able to obtain advice from a trade union anyway. Um, and uh, or or there could be a person of trust at your workplace as well. Um, if you can, you can also get legal advice. And if you can't afford legal advice, as most people in fact can't. Um, see so if you can find assistance in women's charities or services such as citizens advice or um, legal advice will probably be provided by our union or you might be able to make a complaint uh, to the equality body in your country uh, but in any case uh, remember that you're not alone um, I know it sounds daunting but many bad employers get away with discrimination at work because uh, people are afraid to make a stand and now people shouldn't have to make a stand but if you can find relevant support, um, especially something which is more collective, like your trade union or a complaint, or even speaking to your colleagues and feel if they also feel unfairly treated, um, and you can take uh, some kind of collective action, that would be good. But yes, remember, you're not alone here. We're all, we, we girls are all in this together. Thank you very much for the information. It was really interesting to dive deep into the topic. Um, I would like to add, uh, to add something about Germany because maybe mm -hmm. that's interesting to, to know. So um, despite its reputation as a progressive country, Germany is lagging in many ways when it comes to equality in genders. Like um, a 2015 report from the European Parliament, for instance, has Germany's performance in achieving gender equality as mediocre in comparison with other EU members. The deficit here is 21%. And the economic cost of motherhood seems to, uh, seems to be the main factors why Germans' gender pay gap is so underpinned. And also, I read an article about one other reason. And this reason is that women don't like to negotiate when it comes mm -hmm. to getting paid. And actually, I can, um, I can also speak from my own experience because I was working in an ice cafeteria when I was 15 until I was 18. And yeah, so I was working there and I 
I think I was paid 10 euros per hour. And then I found out that my male co-worker was paid, I think, 11 or 12 euros. And I found that really unfair. So I was speaking to my chef and telling him that I would like to be paid as much as my male co-worker. And this was really a big step for me because it really yeah. took all my courage to, to, to tell him that. But it's important that we also... Um, yeah, stand up for ourselves and if we do a very good work then we can also get paid for it I think so it's also a good advice I think no no ab absolutely and I'm, I'm actually really really glad that you ex sort of gave this example and explained the point about women being more hesitant to negotiate their salaries because it, it goes back to what I said about um, collective agreements generally uh, being a way to narrow the gender pay gap because, of course, then everybody, more or less, I mean, of course, there's, there can be variation, but then salaries are collectively negotiated. So then, then you don't have to negotiate it individually yourself. And so this generally is an advantage uh, for women as well. Thank you very much, Lena. I think we're at the end now, but I'm sure we're going to take a lot away from this um, and a lot of advice. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation and also for sharing your uh, own experiences as abuse. We hope you like this episode of International Sisters Helpline. Remember to check us out on our Instagram where you can interact with us and have the opportunity to be involved in future episodes. And subscribe to our newsletter if you want to hear more from us. That's all for now, guys. See you next episode. Bye. Bye.